and welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is January 25th. My name is Chris, as always, joined by my co-host, Pat, and it has been a while. Pat, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well. It has been a long time. There's been, you know, some issues with the episode getting deleted and then some problems recording, so I'm happy to be back. Absolutely. So, yeah, we... uh tried to record an episode i think it was january 9th or 10th to, to wrap up the bowl game which was 24 days ago but it feels like it's 24 years ago um and uh anchor the platform we use uh not going to talk bad about them because they they help us publish this and get it out to you guys but in that moment kind of kind of screwed us a little bit so uh we're back to uh back to old school methods recording over the phone um and got a lot to talk about there is so much that has happened since the bowl game the off season. Uh, we've got early NFL draft declarations. We've got the transfer portal, portal, portal. I feel like you have to say it cool because it's taking over the nation. It is. Uh, we've got coaching changes. We've got the senior bowl going on. Got some Twitter questions. Guys actually wrote into us this time. There's a ton of shit. So I say we jump right into it with the bowl game. Um, it, it Like I said, it feels like forever ago. Uh, I think you're you have a little bit more on this than I do. So, man, take it away. Kentucky, Penn State, Citrus Bowl, we lose by three. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to harp on it too much because it was so long ago. But, obviously, it was a disappointing one. Um, to me, you know, there were the obvious things that stood out. But I I put so much blame on the offensive line for this game. Uh, absolutely horrendous job by them, in my opinion. Um, let up six sacks. And also the punt return touchdown that Kentucky scored, in my opinion, you can blame just as much on the offensive line as you can on the punt team. If you're wondering how I say that, it's because this, on that drive, uh, you know, we start off deep in our own territory and Trace actually throws a first down pass that gets called back because of an illegal man downfield on Steven Gonzalez. And then we, you know, second down play doesn't really go anywhere. And then on third down, what happens? Trace gets sacked. We get backed all the way up to like the two yard line or the one yard line. And so Gillikin's got his heels on the back of the end zone. It doesn't really get the kind of time or space to get rid of punt that he normally would. And what happens? A punt return touchdown. Yeah, it was, it was disappointing. And I think the biggest thing for me, um, and, and we talked about this a couple of times is like throughout the season, every time we had a loss, of course it was disappointing, right? We had, some of us had national championship aspirations and, you know, it, it was always after the Ohio state loss it was like, Hey, this can still be a really great season. Still can be a great season. We can still sneak into the playoff after the Michigan state loss. All right. We're not getting into the playoffs. can still be a great season. That sucked, but it can still be a great season. Even after Michigan, we were like down. We're like, all right, this, this kind of sucks now. But we can still finish with 10 wins for three seasons in a row, which hasn't happened in quite some time. So that's kind of what I was hoping for is like finish, finish off right, send the seniors out, get that 10th win and, and just kind of, you know, end the season on a good note to to take some momentum in. Um, and that didn't happen. So. So, yeah, definitely disappointing. Um, but I think the big thing that we want to talk about for this game, um, I mentioned send the seniors off and, and one senior in particular, our guy, Trace motherfucking McSorley. That's got to be his middle name. It's got to be. Has to be. Um, he's, he's a warrior, man. There's, there's nowhere, no way else to say it. Uh, during the game, somewhat of an injury, uh, it was reported that he broke his foot. We have obviously since learned that he didn't break his foot. Um, but clearly it was some sort of serious foot injury. And what did he do? Just went out there and put the team on his back, almost let it come back. 
Um, you know, we, we've we've talked a whole lot about like how much Saquon meant to the program and how awesome it was to see him move on and how much we're going to miss him. Like, I don't, I, and this is obviously no discredit Saquon, but like, I think it's even more amplified for Trace. Like the love that I have for him is like, I, I can't believe we're, we're going to have Penn State football without him. I know. It really is just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to get past it. <laughs> and I, I think what it is for me, it's like with Saquon after like his breakout season, his, I guess it was his sophomore season, like that was truly breakout. We all knew he was great as a rookie. But like after that, you're like, all right, this kid's going early. You know, we, we know we only have him for one more year. With Trace, like you knew he was going to stay his whole eligibility. You didn't think he, you never, never expected he was going to go early. And it was kind of like that, like, oh, we still got him. We still got him. And then now is the finally the moment. It's like, shit, we don't have him anymore. Um, so, yeah, just like awesome to see him kind of ride it out. I, I wish they would have let him go for it at the end on that last drive instead of kicking a field goal. We're not going to break that down right now. It doesn't matter. But I'll, I'll get into it a little bit if you want. All right, let's get into it. Um, so obviously it was the wrong decision because it didn't work, but I'm, I'm going to go over some reasons why it wasn't like this horrible decision that a lot of people made it out to be. Uh, for one, we have a, you know, team of wide receivers that are widely known for dropping the ball and on a fourth and six, you know, we basically have to pass. Um, we have a, in my opinion, a, very lackluster offensive line that's led up six sacks already this game. And also, we had time and timeouts left, and Kentucky wasn't able to move the ball at all that fourth quarter, and you knew they were going to have to run the ball coming out, so I thought we were going to be able to stop them. Yeah, I mean, logically, I get it, but I, I don't know. For me, it was one of those. It was, it's the Citrus Bowl. We were down big, like – this is the guy who has brought you there. Just give him a shot. Like, logically, you make all of the sense in the world. Totally, totally get that. But emotionally, man, fuck it. Just roll the dice. Like, I don't know. That's that's how I think about it. But it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but... Why you got to bring logic? Why you got to uh, bring logic? It, it wasn't a horrible decision. Right, but why you got to bring logic? I'm sitting here trying to be emotional about my guy, Trace. <laughs> I understand, I understand. Um, but yeah, Trace uh, Trace moves on uh, with the rest of the seniors. Uh, we actually have Trace and Amani both down in Mobile, Alabama right now competing in the Senior Bowl. Uh, this is a um, hot all-star game for, for draft-eligible seniors. Um, last, year, last year, we had Deshaun Hamilton in it. Um, really made a name for himself, made himself some money by, by moving up those draft boards. Uh, and it, it looks like both Trace and Amani are, are having some, some good week down there in practice. Uh, what have you seen so far? Um, I've actually kind of heard the opposite. Really? Um, yeah. I, I, I don't mean – this is not me watching and putting a spin on it. This is just what I've read uh, from CBS Sports. You know, they did, like, the biggest winner and loser of the week, and the, they listed their biggest loser of the week as Amani. Interesting. What's the um, reasoning for that? Uh, that he was having trouble with his down the field speed and uh, kind of like his his hips from quick breaks with shifty wide receivers, and he kind of struggled with that most of the week in practice. And he looks looks like he would be a, a good zone quarterback, but if you need him playing press coverage, he he's very questionable according to the scouts. That's interesting because I think I mean I've always thought of him as like a, a good shut down corner, like that's what he's been for us. 
he did have a bit of a scare. Um, looked like it was a, an injury, but he said his knee just buckled. He'll, he'll be fine. Um, I, I guess the issue too is like, I'm, like you said, I'm not watching the practices. What I'm, what I'm seeing is what my Twitter feed is sending me and I follow a lot of Penn state people. So of course they're going to send me the highlights, right? And I'm going to see the, the good plays. So that, that's a little unfortunate here. I hope, uh, I hope he plays well in the game and, and makes a name for himself. Um, Trace is an interesting one because Trace, I, I feel like I feel like I'm in the twilight zone because you always have to defend this guy because he's a little bit short and he has just a little bit of a less of an arm and his hands are only nine inches and X Y Z like you make up all the reasons like I will I want to go on record right now and maybe it's not as cool now as it was a couple months ago I will literally take any bet in the world within my financial means anyone who wants to bet me that says Trace McSorley will not get drafted. I will take that bet in a heartbeat. He is going to get drafted. It might not be till the sixth round. It might be as a backup. It might be as a, like, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter. It might be someone who's trying to recreate Taysom Hill from the Saints. It might be someone who just takes a chance because they love this kid. They love the character. They love how much his teammates love him. They love the fire. But if you're trying to sit there and tell me, like, this kid is not going to get drafted at all, you are insane. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone just not wanting to at least take a chance, you know, on, with a low draft pick on this guy. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. Like I said, I'm I'm I, I understand my bias for Penn State and for Trace. I was a big Christian Hackenberg fan. I, I I wanted my Jets to draft him, and clearly that didn't work out. But my my point is this: like Trace, I, yeah, I I don't think he's in like I don't I don't know if he is a starter in the league at all. He's definitely not an instant starter. I don't know like how he turns out once he gets into that level of competition and, and the big boys of the, the defensive lines and the linebackers rushing him in the league, but the guy's a proven winner. He just continues to win. He continues to find a way. One of my favorite things is, uh, you know, there was a Bleacher Report article that came out about, you know, how he's having to battle all these questions again. And there were so many Penn State players that were quote tweeting with that, like, y'all are sleeping. Y'all don't know. Trace is a warrior. And like that level of respect that. from all of your teammates, like, and I get it. Most programs have some sort of like, you know, stick up for your guys. But it's just, man, like, look at some of the quarterbacks that have started games in the league over the last several years. You're telling me you wouldn't put him out there over Nathan fucking Peterman? Like, dude, come on. Yeah, come right. on. So, yeah, I will take that bet. Um, looks like he's doing okay in the senior bowl. Um, from what I've seen so far, there's a couple of a uh, couple of really nice passes that he's made um, working with John Gruden, who's a coach down there, uh, you know, obviously – John Gurdon, quarterback guy. Um, he clocked the the fastest speed uh, for quarterbacks. Obviously, he's, he's a runner. Uh, one day, I think he's up to like 17 miles an hour, which is super impressive. Um, they had one day where he it was showing he had the fastest ball at like 64-something miles an hour. Um, again, this is all like abstract stats that I'm throwing out there, but uh, I'm excited to see him play in the game and, and – can't wait to see, you know, how he moves up the draft boards once teams start interviewing him and getting to know Trace McSorley, the person, you know, not just a quarterback. I, I think they're going to fall in love with his IQ, his passion for the game, his leadership, all, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine anyone interviewing the guy and then being like, ah, I don't think so. Yeah, right. So Trace, Amani, hope you both do well down there. Um, to all of our seniors who are, who are trying to get drafted, uh, Nick Scott, Koa Farmer, DeAndre Tompkins, uh, you know, Obviously, we don't, we'll, we'll do a whole preview of where we think some of these guys will go if they go at all. Um, 
but that kind of brings us into our, our next one is the uh, early declarations. So this year we had five guys declare early for the NFL draft. Uh, Miles Sanders, Connor McGovern, Sharif Miller, Ryan Bates, and Kevin Givens. What's your, uh, what's your initial thought? Um, well, with Sharif, we kind of knew it was going to happen when he made that announcement. You know, I'll, I'm, when he said, I'm, I'm going to make my announcement after the game, you're like, okay, yeah, you're going. Yeah. With Miles, I kind of thought he would stay until right before the game. They said that he was going to make his announcement after the game. I was like, okay, well, that's kind of obvious yeah. now. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't imagine anyone being like, hey, I'm going to let you guys know what I'm doing after the game. And the game ends like I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. Just doesn't happen that way. A little egotistical, I, I guess. But um, it, it, those two aren't very surprising to me. Um, McGovern and Bates a little bit are. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm just a little surprised that, like, with the way Penn State's offensive line fared overall this year, that any part of their offensive line is leaving early to go to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fair point. And we'll, we'll talk coaches uh, after we get through this segment, but um, yeah, I, I fully agree with you with miles and Sharif. Like we kind of knew when, when that, you know, uh, those, those announcements things came out. Um, but I, I genuinely, I, I think it's the right move for both of them. And, and before we even get to this, like we'll, we'll talk about this in the transfer portal too. Like, we're, who are we, who are we to judge whether it's the right or wrong move? Like these guys are trying to get paid. They're trying to live out a lifelong dream. If they think they're ready to go and they're getting that feedback, like good for them. I hope they all get drafted. I hope they all succeed. That being said, my own personal opinion, take it for what it's worth. I think miles is making the right move. Um, he had a hell of a year. He is now, he is now a, a, a top 10 running back prospect. At least I think arguably top five after the combine, if he shows, and tests well and, and, and shows, you know, his physical attributes. And, dude, one year as a starter, that's awesome for NFL teams. That's less wear and tear. Like, that, that is a factor, sure. right? Teams see a guy who's a three-year starter get beat up. Running back is one of the most brutal positions in the league, you know, one of the shortest uh, lifespans of NFL careers. So I think, I think he made the right decision. I think he will get drafted anywhere between second and fourth round. I, I would say that's, like, the latest, but – the big thing is that the running back class next year is is so loaded that I think uh, I think it's the right call for this year. Sharif, um, he, he's a hell of an athlete, man. Edge rusher is a prime position in the NFL. He, he's going to go somewhere and he's going to have a chance to make an impact. Um, to the lineman part, I, I, I agree with you. I, I We heard rumblings early in the season uh, that Connor McGovern could go. NFL scouts love him. Um, and and I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't. I just I don't know enough about like – offensive lineman and what separates a good from a great one. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm just not that educated there. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of, a lot of scouts have him, or I say scouts, but I'm talking like Mel Kuyper and Matt Miller and those people. A lot of them have, yeah. a lot of them have him as like number two or number three interior offensive lineman um, in the whole draft. I mean, that's pretty damn good. Uh, and obviously those are people's opinions and subjects to change, but hell, if he can get drafted high, make some money and then go play in the NFL, dude, good for you. Um, Bates, I was a little bit more surprised. I, uh, in my uneducated opinion, I, I kind of, I thought he was our best lineman. Um, played all over the place. He's played both tackle spots. He's played in, in, uh, in the inside, and and he's just a beast. Um, but like you said, with with some of the downplay of the line, I kind of expected him to come back. Um, 
so that it's sort of interesting when you see like a unit that wasn't super successful, but you have two potential NFL talents. Like, what does that say for the future of of the NFL line, or I'm sorry, of the Penn State line? Like, if we if we can't win with those guys, like, shit. I mean, I hope the guys that are coming in now are, are even better, and of course that's the plan. But I don't know. That's that's yeah. A tough one. Um, I, we'll get into that a little bit later. Yep. Um, I, I, there's always when you hear guys leave early, there's always this as a fan, this little feeling of like, oh, you know, fuck you, I had all these plans for next season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you kind of have to remember, like, oh, uh, I'm not on this team. Um, I'm not the one who was waking up every morning to go to practice and like putting in all, all these sacrifices. Like that's you guys, and it, it, you deserve to get something out of it. Yeah, and, and like I said, and when you should also be happy to just watch these guys, you know, excel. Of course, man, and and. Like, this is the, the other thing, too, I think people need to realize is we are talking about, like, life-changing decisions. Like, we're talking potentially millions of dollars. Like, you come back and you twist an ankle or you tear an ACL, that's, I mean, that's the, uh, the difference of a lifetime. So, yep. yeah, I, I hope they all do well. Kevin Givens is the one we didn't really mention. Uh, he was the one that was a surprise for me. The other four, I, I kind of... I, even if I didn't expect, I was like, okay, I see it. Um, Kevin Givens, he had a really good year. If you look back at it, he's he's an interior defensive tackle, just a big body guy. Um, almost reminds me a little bit of Austin Johnson from a couple of years ago. And he ended up getting drafted in the second round uh, to the Titans. Uh, I think Austin Johnson was better at that time, but, but, but similar guy where his stats don't jump off the page. He doesn't have all of the sacks, but he's a guy that eats up space, is going to get double teamed and kind of like, you know, takes takes one for the team, so the other guys get free. So I'm excited to see what happens with him as well. Yeah, I guess he's he's got those you know the kind of measurables that scouts look for. Yeah, exactly. And and the last thing I'll say is, uh, you, you spoke about how kind of when people leave, fans start to go crazy and assume things. And shit, this was the hot topic for like two days before the transfer portal took over. Um, yeah, right. But but I kind of see like when when kids leave early and get drafted and succeed, that is a good sign for the program. You look at the top programs in the country, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons. They all have kids that leave in three years because they are NFL ready. And I feel like I feel like we've been on like this trajectory since, I don't know, even if you go back to like the sanctions back in 2012. Like 2012, 2013, we didn't have a ton of guys leaving early, right? Like we had a couple guys getting drafted yeah. in the late in the late rounds. 2014 comes, Allen Robinson leaves early. Obviously a very good decision, and he's killing it in the NFL, right? You have a couple guys after that, 2015, Donovan Smith. Uh, I think he left early. He's offensive tackle for the Bucks. got drafted in the second round, has played every game of his career. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple others, I'm missing some. Hackenberg obviously didn't really work out. Uh, Chris Godwin left early, killing it. Saquon, killing it. So, like, there, there's this trajectory of, like, hey, we didn't have anyone leaving early. Then we had guys leaving early, but not quite killing it. Then we had guys leaving early, starting to make waves. We're going to get to a point where, like, the talent coming in is good enough that that's the plan, right? Like, Franklin has a plan for every player that they graduate in three years so that they have the option to move on to do all these things. Um, and, and we're seeing it. There was a uh, – shit, what was it? It was the uh, Under Armour All-America Bowl for, for high school kids, uh, one of our incoming running backs, Noah Kane. He said, he's like, yeah, that's the plan. That was one of the things that sold me. I'm going to work my ass off for three years, and I'm going to go to the NFL. Like, that's the mindset. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah so. I mean, I don't, you don't, I don't know if you really have the right to be upset about that as a fan. 
Yeah, exactly. So all the power to all five of those guys, to all of our seniors that are looking to get drafted. As we get a little bit deeper into draft season, we'll do a full episode on, on kind of player profiles and where we think they might go and, and all that good stuff. Um, so before we get to transfer portal, the one thing I skipped over was uh, coaching changes. Um, so the one change that did happen, David Corley, wide receivers coach, was relieved of his duty after just one year. Um, and there was a there was a little, uh, uh, I wouldn't say controversy, but a, a little bit of conversation on this one. Um, a lot of people on Twitter were, were happy, right? They, they, they were rejoicing. The, the wide receivers clearly took a step back this year, and people were happy about it. And uh, players were quick to defend. K.J. Hamler, in, in particular, had a tweet about, you know, how are you all here celebrating a man getting fired? Like, he has a family, just bought a house here, he has kids. And, and, and we talked about this on our, our now long-lost episode. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course, we're not shitting on the guy as a person. We're, we're saying as fans – the, it wasn't a good fit. The wide receivers took a step back and, and Franklin made a decision that we, we think is, is good for the program, quote unquote. So it, it's always a tough one when, when people get fired or whatever, but uh, what's your, what's your take on, on this one here? Yeah. I mean, it, I, I agree with KJ. You, you, you don't want to sit there and revel in someone losing their job because that is tough. Uh, but it, I think it had to be done. The, the wide receivers, despite a, I think a wealth of talent really underperformed this season. Uh, there, there didn't seem to be a single returning guy who had the year that they should have. The only two guys that really showed anything really impressive were KJ and Pat Fryermuth. Uh, but Jawan seemed to take make make really no improvement and probably digress like regressed a little bit. Yep. Um, you know, DeAndre Tompkins, Brandon DeAndre Polk. Tompkins, Brandon Polk both riddled with drops all season that didn't seem to be an issue last season and it's the same guy throwing the ball so I, I can't see how that changes you know what what you know the product that's coming to them I think it has to be you know the coach yeah and it's you know it's tough we had we had Josh Gaddis who I think is is one of the best wide receiver coaches in the country he he moved on to to be the wide receiver coach at Alabama and Alabama wide receivers are always going to be good, but damn, those kids balled out this year. Uh, and he has now actually taken one further step, and he's going to be the offensive coordinator at Michigan. So clearly that guy was doing something right with our team. So you can't fully blame David Corley for not living up to that, right? It, I get that. That's tough. Um, the other piece that a lot of people were talking about is Corley was actually brought in to be the running backs coach. Um, yeah. Selflessly moved over to wide receiver once we brought in Jay Wan Sider. Um, so, so kudos to that too. Like that, that's awesome. He, he stayed on. He said, yep, I still want to be a part of this. I'll move over. End of the day, it just wasn't a right fit. So, so Franklin made the call and, and moved on. And, um, last time we recorded or attempted to record this, we did not have the replacement, but we do now, uh, Gerard Parker, I believe his name is, uh, comes to us from Duke as the wide receivers coach, spent a couple of years at Purdue in their offensive, uh, coaching rotation, coach wide receivers, coach tight ends, um, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. I, I really don't. Um, I, I hope he's great. I hope he's a step up because I, I, I think there's something to be said for consistency, right? Like it sucks to see turnover, like just after one year, because who knows if this guy is head and shoulders better, but you got to have some hope. Oh, absolutely. And I, I feel bad saying this, but you, I can't see it being much worse. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, it's hard to say, but you're Probably right. One Absolutely. One of the biggest problems on our team was our wide receivers couldn't catch the ball. Yeah, and that's uh, 
I mean, that's one of those things. Adam Brenneman, uh, former Penn State tight end that we had on the show a couple of weeks ago or months ago at this point. Go check out that episode. Um, he was talking on Twitter to some people and saying, like, catching the ball is so much more mental than it is physical, which which makes sense, right? Like, these kids are all gifted athletes. They can oh, yeah. physically catch a ball, right? So, obviously, something changes in either the preparation or the mindset or the coaching style. So, you know, hopefully this is an improvement and, and all the best to uh, to David Corley and wherever he goes. Um, so I think the most interesting part is that was the only change, right? We, at this point, it's, it's safe to say that there's probably not going to be any other changes. Otherwise, Franklin would have done them all at the same time. Like yeah. they're, they're recruiting for the next recruiting cycle. They're preparing for spring practices. Nothing else is going to change, but a couple ones that we thought could and, and maybe should have been let go. Uh, Phil Galliano, special teams coordinator, which special teams was inconsistent to say it nicely all year. And uh, to your point, uh, Matt Limegrover, offensive line coach, who has been with us for, for a couple of years now, had some seemingly NFL talent and, and couldn't put together, you know, that kind of cohesive unit. So what do you think about, uh, Franklin, keeping those two guys? Um, yeah, the big one to me that I think just has to go is Limegrover. Um, he's, he's been there long enough where you should start to see improvement. And we haven't had not even like a, an offensive line is a strength of our team. We haven't had a good offensive line in his entire tenure there. Uh, I, I know you can point to a lot of rushing yards and you've seen Penn state. We, we take care of the, uh, the upfront battle against teams that were obviously better than, but I haven't seen us have like a good offensive line performance against a good team since he's been here. Um, if you look just down this season, Ohio state, we let up four sacks, Iowa, three sacks, only 118 yards rushing. Michigan, five sacks, only 68 yards rushing. Wisconsin, three sacks. Kentucky, six sacks. Those are literally like the only good teams we played all season and not one strong performance out of the offensive line there. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely not what you want. Um, I mean, there's there's no other way to say that. Numbers don't lie. And and, and you're right. Like, you, you can – you can make yourself believe like, oh yeah, we're a good line. Look at, look at Illinois. We ran for 200 something yards or, you know, look at Indiana. We did this, but, but you're right. Like if we truly want to be a championship team, we're going to have to play the best of the best every year. And we're going to have to not only beat those teams, but beat them handedly. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I was, I think I was a little more shocked at Galliano just because special teams coordinator, like that's, that's a whole phase of the game. Like, you know, uh, and that one just to me is a little bit mind blowing, but um, yeah, offensive line, like I said, I, I do believe in the fact that there is some merit to having a consistent coaching staff. And it was cool to hear them talk about it after the national championship, after Clemson shit pumped Alabama, um, Great game, by the way. I know we're like several weeks past it, but really great game. Trevor Lawrence yeah. is the man. Um, but but they talked about how how Clemson and Dabo has had most of his staff intact since they took over there, which is you know many years, several years at this point. Um, his offensive coordinator, I think, has been with him the whole time, if not for most of it. Um, and they've they've had some success there. But then you look at the other side of it with Alabama, who just has a coaching carousel every year because guys are leaving to be head coaches and things like that. And Nick Saban somehow continues to corral greatness. So, like, clearly you can do it either way. But yeah. Penn State, Penn State's sort of in this, like, we're in this, like, middle phase, right, where we're, you know, we're not we're great. We're not elite. So, like, you can't afford to be rotating guys all the time and, unless you have a 
as good or a better replacement, right? Like your coaching staff needs to be damn near elite. And if a guy's going to leave for a promotion, I mean, you, you can't say, you can't, you can't hate that guy, right? If you're not going to give it to him, damn, he's going to go get it somewhere else. Um, but you have to have someone just as good or better coming in. Like, and we just, we haven't had that in, in a while. Yeah. And it was good to hear Sandy Barber ta- uh, kind of commit to paying our assistants more. Yes. So that, yeah. I think that will start to be less of an issue. Yeah, totally uh, forgot at, about at that. That's a great point. So. Right, right. Because I mean, pay is always part of it, and that's that's Franklin's mantra um, for a while. It's like we can't have guys leave for lateral moves, right? Like yeah. Gaddis, Gaddis leaving to be Alabama's wide receivers coach. Granted, it's Alabama. Um, that sucks but, because it's yeah, a lateral move. Yeah, if exactly. You, you had a, a guy who was willing to, you know, uproot himself from Pennsylvania all the way to Alabama for the same exact position. Uh, yeah, that he probably says got something. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's Alabama, it's the number one team yeah. in the country, so like it, it's hard. But but we've we've seen it with a lot of coaches who have left for for similar positions. In the very beginning, is Bob Shoup, defensive coordinator, left. Herb Hand, our offensive line coach, left. Um, they were all lateral moves, so it, it's tough. But I, I I agree. I think the quote from Sandy uh, was awesome. So she said something, it was something like, uh, "James asked me for a number, and I gave it to him." Um, that's awesome. Like very very cool to see that. Um, and hopefully, you know, we, we see some improvement in the next couple of years. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to speak to what you said about um, Galliano not going. Here, yeah. Here's one kind of excuse I'll give for him is that, A, he had a freshman kicker this year, and B, as special teams, you're not really working with the best, at, the best players on the team. Those guys play offense and defense, whereas Lime Grover has the best five offensive linemen on our team two of which who are apparently good enough to go to the NFL and he couldn't even put together like a good offensive line this season. Yeah, that's a really fair point. And and that's the thing. I I think for some reason, I don't know why, like I think I'm more emotionally attached to to Lime Grover. Like I have no idea why, but you're absolutely right. Like that is your job. You had, and like our guys were good. Like not only the two, the two that are going to the NFL in, in, uh, in, Bates and McGovern, but Steven Gonzalez, mind you, the penalty that you called earlier, really good lineman. And he, he actually did have the announcement on Twitter that he's returning. He, did, he didn't make like, I'm giving you my announcement, but he did have one of those graphics, like one more ride. Yeah. That was kind of funny. But you got those three guys. You got Michael Mennett. Um, who else was on that line? Uh, Will Fries, who up and down, but still you have talented guys. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and it is. He's been there for what, three years now? Um, yeah, that's that's long enough to you know have have your thing going. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, it's it's interesting, and I mean the the talent that's coming in, and, and this will lead us into the transfer portal. The talent that is coming in and and committing to Franklin the recruiter because Franklin is an excellent recruiter. We've got guys like Jaywan Sider who is an excellent recruiter. Guys that are committing to these recruiters are gonna want to see the results. They're gonna want to come in three years and go to the NFL and get drafted. Like we don't get top classes without that production. So it's, it's gotta go hand in hand. It just has to. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's get into the transfer portal, 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 portal. Uh, This is the craziest thing that college football has seen in a while. Well, not really because we have the playoffs, but still Um, this is, I, this is groundbreaking stuff for college football. So if you live under a rock, there is a new system in place that changes how kids can transfer. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, I had a, a thread of kind of 
how I understand it all. I won't go through every step, but check us out on Twitter at no names all game. Uh, but in, in basic terms, previous state, if a kid wanted to transfer, he had to ask the school, the school had to grant it. And then it was, it was a really kind of shitty process for how he would have to go about that. Now, if a kid wants to transfer, he lets the school know they put him into this transfer portal and he is now eligible and, and to talk to other schools. Other coaches can recruit them. He can visit other schools, like all this kind of stuff. And it just makes it easier. Now they still have to, for the most part, still have to sit out a year. Uh, if you want to transfer that, that still stands. Only two ways that you don't have to sit out is if you are a graduate, graduate transfer. So you can play right away. That's That's been a rule. Or if you get granted a hardship waiver, which we will talk about in a little bit too. Um, but people are freaking out because it seems like there is a mass exodus from Penn State. We've got, from varying reports, we've got anywhere from like 11 to 13 guys in this portal, which sounds like a lot um, and can be very scary. But I've got a lot of thoughts on this, so I'm going I'm to kick it to you. What's your, what's your initial take on the transfer, transfer portal and the hysteria that is surrounding it? Well, of those like 11 to 13 guys, I think only two of them are going to see any significant playing time next season. So there's that. Yeah, Juwan Johnson think, and Lamont Wade, right? Yeah, those are the only two. So I I, I think we don't have to panic too much. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think, uh, and again, I, I don't want to just read this whole thread, but the, but there's a couple of, of reasons like, don't don't be the guy who says like, oh, we didn't need them anyway. Fuck it, they weren't going to play. Screw them. Like, dude, you wanted them as a recruit for a reason. They're a talented player. Shit didn't work out how they thought it was going to be. Like every kid comes into school thinking they're going to be the starter or a very solid contributor, or they probably wouldn't go to that school, right? So things didn't turn out for for most of these kids. Um, again, Lamont and and Juwan are probably a different story, but. People are freaking out. It's like, is this a culture problem? Franklin can't keep the team. Like, this is terrible. A couple things to keep in mind. Number one, this is the first year this thing has ever happened. We don't know what normal looks like. This might be the normal that every year, 10 guys transfer. Who knows? Like, no one has any idea. Two, the shit isn't public. Like, no one knows who's in the portal. We only know it when a kid announces it himself or an inside source somehow finds out. Uh, 24-7 Sports has actually put together a really, really nice piece of their page. Um, I follow them for a lot of their recruiting stuff. They actually have one that is tracking the transfer portal. You can filter it out by school, um, and it shows you like where they are and where they're going Like once they say that. So that's really cool. Um, but other than that, like we don't have the public knowledge. We don't know. Like Every school could have 15 guys in this. Um, other things not to worry about, like you said, these are guys that probably weren't going to get playing time. For the most part, they're transferring to lesser schools. And I don't say that like to hate, but it's just a fact. Like there's like, let's take a couple. Danny Dalton came in as a, as a promising tight end from Massachusetts. Obviously we've seen Fryer move emerge. We've seen uh, Zach Kuntz as, as a promising tight end. He's seeing the writing on the wall that he's not going to have the career he wanted. He has a better chance to play somewhere else. He's going to Boston College, where he's from in Massachusetts. He's probably going to fucking kill it there. Like, good for him, you know? Yeah, I mean, what if, you know, one of these kids are an NFL talent who just aren't going to be able to step on the field at Penn State. Why would I hate them for going somewhere else? Yeah, what, are they exactly. Live their life as a backup and potentially not pursue their dream? Right, right. It's just, it's, it's banana. Feel <laughs> it is banana land. Um, 
I, th- I think the funny thing too is like people are like again people are freaking out just of the number dude look at some of the prominent national people that have transferred justin fields was the big one um yeah. and we won't ha- we won't relive that conversation but whatever justin fields was a one-time penn state verbal commit get over it he's now at ohio state uh brandon wimbush funny enough he was actually also a one-time penn state verbal commit mm-hmm. was at notre dame he transferred to ucf Tate Martell said, damn, Justin Fields is coming to Ohio State. Fuck it, I'm going to Miami. Jack Tuttle, yeah. quarterback at Utah, goes to Indiana. These are just quarterbacks. Shane Bouchelle, who is a top quarterback at Texas, said, damn, Sam Ellinger took over. I'm out. Like, this is becoming the norm. And it's just like, we have to get used to it. There's a couple things that are that are extra on top of this. One, who knows what's going to come into Penn State? Like, yeah, we're losing 10 guys. What if a fucking top offensive tackle from somewhere says, hey, I'm going to come in, I'm going to grad transfer to Penn State, or I'm going to get a hardship waiver, and I'm going to come play at Penn State. Are you going to be pissed then? No. Yeah, right. So, like, that that happens. And then the other one is just because you're in the transfer portal doesn't mean you need to leave. So, like, Jawan has already said he's going to. Lamont Wade hasn't really said anything. He may be just exploring his options. He might come back. Like, personally, I think that's kind of awkward a little bit if you do it that way. That's um, a little strange. And, again, I, I don't think any of the players would have a problem with it. I, I, I don't think Franklin would have a problem with it because I think he genuinely cares. But it's just – it's it's a new – it's unfamiliar territory. So, yeah, long, long-winded long response. But the short answer is, like, don't freak out because we don't know what it is yet. We don't know what it means. We don't know how it's going to play out. Like, there, there's no reason in getting worked up about it. Yeah, I just – I don't understand the reaction from some people. Um, I mean, I do understand a little bit when a guy who's going to play transfers, we're like, and it's shocking and you feel like, oh, oh, what what the fuck? But I don't know. It's their life. If this isn't the right place for them, chances are if if they're transferring, something wasn't going to work out that well from the Penn State. They weren't going to be able to give it their best. Like they're not going to be able to play up to their 100%. I don't want that on the field either. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually one of, one of our younger guys. He was a freshman, uh, freshman safety, Isaiah Humphreys from uh, from Texas, actually came to us from Texas. Uh, he was a big get. He, he was, I, I think he was only a three-star, maybe a four-star, but talented player. Um, and his, like, his note, I always get scared on Twitter when, when you see, like, the notes app, because that means someone's oh, making right. a, a serious announcement. Yeah, it's the new but thing. His, yeah, it really is. But his was like uh, – his was something like, you know, to keep my passion for the game and to keep growing, like, I need to go somewhere else. Okay, dude, like, do you, man. That's good for you. Like, if, if you're yeah. not going to get the most out of here, cool. Um, a couple of our guys were, like, family-related. Uh, Daylon Dorian and, and Braylon Faison Weldon both had family-like health issues, and they were moving to schools to be closer to home. So, like, I don't know. All of it is is – Everything is inflated. Everything is blown, blown out of proportion. And, and like I said, it's we'll see what happens. Um, I think Jawan is the most interesting case, of course, because he had a down year, but we know the talent that he is. We know the plays that he can make. We know, like, I, I still believe this guy's an NFL wide receiver. Um, and, and he's just not seeing it at Penn State. Maybe it's the coaching change. This, this would have been his third wide receivers coach in the new year, uh, in the third year. And I get it. If you go to a new program, it's a new coach. But maybe you have a better rapport with someone from, you know, years ago when you were going through recruiting. Um, it actually reminded me a lot of Gino Lewis. Um, and, and it's funny, I had this thought and then I actually saw somebody say it on Twitter. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And the, the guy, the guy on Twitter was kind of an asshole. The guy on Twitter was like, uh, reminds me of Geno Lewis, a wide subpar wide receiver at Penn State, uh, couldn't hack it or some shit like that. So he transferred to Oklahoma, like good riddance. I'm making it sound worse than it was, but I replied back and I was like, dude, let me fix this for you. Like, reminds me of Geno Lewis. Jawan reminds me of Geno, talented wide receiver who naturally had some ups and downs at Penn State. Made the decision for him and his family to transfer, went to Oklahoma, balled the fuck out, and now is playing professional ball in the CFL. Like, how are you mad at someone for doing that? Yeah, I, people are so stupid. They are, and I know, I, <laughs> I know, I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm hoping for those of you that are listening, like, I'm hoping this is the kind of shit that you want to hear. Either you're on my side and you're like, yes, thank you, or you're on the other side, and I hope maybe this is providing some clarity for you. I don't know. Um, I am very interested to see where Juwan goes because he will go to a top program. Like he's he's not going to go to a, a team outside of the top twenty-five. I just, I don't see that. Um, I think he'll go to a top team who has somewhat of a needed wide receiver, and he's going to get a lot of targets, and he's going to get a chance to show NFL teams what he can do. Um, you look at our incoming wide receiver core. Like obviously KJ crushed it this year. Justin Shorter is going to be a focal point. Um, John Dotson had a great year. Matt Kip and I are still on the team. Like you've got a lot of young kids that are, that are going to keep pushing. And, and that's the last part that we kind of alluded to before is like most of these guys, I mean, you look at some of them, Alex Gellerstedt, offensive lineman, uh, Jarvis Miller, outside linebacker. Dude, we got two five-star linebackers coming in alongside Micah Parsons. I get yeah. it. I get it. You know? So it's like, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to stop ranting on this one because we could talk forever, but. Don't freak out. That's all I'm going to say. Don't freak out. Agreed. All right. I feel like I need to take a nap after that conversation. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Last segment, we are going to do some Twitter questions. So for a long time, uh, every time we record, I, I tweet out, hey, what questions do you guys have? And normally it's crickets. It's just zero interaction. Woo! Um, but we actually got some, some, some guys reaching out to us. Uh, yes, I love it. Yeah, we got five five uh, guys or gals. I don't know who some of them are. Some of them are, are like fan accounts, uh, Penn State fan accounts. Um, but all five instead of probably guys. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be somewhat politically correct here. Come on. Um, but what I love is is all five of these are like regularly regular interactors, if that's a word. These are people I see like yes. all the time. Either like our stuff, our boys. Yeah, so shout out to all of you guys. Uh, Jeffrey Wallazer Jr., Shane Lennon, Mark Brower, Kegels Bagels, and We Are Graphics. Um, thank I you like to all five of you. Bagels the best. Yeah, he, he's, uh, I, he, he's funny, man. He, he sends me all kinds of shit sometimes. One of, one of his questions was uh, before the bowl preview that we never actually did was, uh, who do you want to crush in a bowl game? I just love that kind of optimism. So Kegels Bagels, yes. special shout out. Um, but let's start from the bottom up. Some of these are going to require more in-depth, so we'll, we'll scratch the surface at least and then maybe kick a full discussion to another episode. Uh, but starting with our guy, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Wallazer Jr. says, do you think Franklin will have a real QB competition before next season? That is a – I saw that question. That's a tough one because I think there certainly could be one. Uh, Sean Clifford looks great. Uh, but I, I would – what makes me go against that is Franklin is fiercely loyal to his, his like, upperclassmen. And you do have to give Tommy Stevens the benefit of the doubt for staying when he easily could have transferred. Yeah, it's a tough one. So you look at, you look at our quarterback room. You've got the incumbent, Tommy Stevens, Tommy Time. Everybody loves him. You have the Heisman snub, 
should have been a front runner, Sean Clifford. Absolutely. Uh, after that, you've got uh, Will Levis, who is a, a young guy that they're they're pretty high on, uh, and then two incoming four stars. Uh, so you'll have five scholarship quarterbacks. Obviously, all are very talented. Um, and I agree. I, I think the the fiercely loyal part is is spot on. And and we've given Franklin some shit for that. Like you know, early on when he was playing Coa Farmer over Micah Parsons, and again, we can get into that. There's probably reasons for that that we don't know, but it, it is something to to think about. And yeah, Tommy, Tommy could have transferred. He could have been starting somewhere like easily, um, but he stayed. So I agree. I, I think it's Tommy's job to lose. I, the reason I say there will be a competition is because even after, uh, even after Hackenberg left, it was, he, he wouldn't make the decision between Trace and Tommy until it was like almost game time for week one. He might've made that decision in his head, but like he didn't say it publicly. I think he loves the idea of guys competing and making each other better. Uh, and I think, I think at least between Tommy and Sean, you're going to hear from Franklin, whether, he, whether it's true or not, you're going to hear, Hey, you know, Sean's making a real case. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he will promote a competition, but I think Tommy Stevens would have to be pretty badly outperformed to lose the job. Yeah, and it's tough because like we haven't we haven't really seen Tommy in full action. You know, we've seen him in spurts. We've seen him in the lion. Like obviously, he has all the tools. He's what like six five, two twenty or something. Um, mm-hmm. He's a big dude. He can run. He has a good arm. So like, yeah, I think it's his to lose. He did just have surgery at the end of the season. Um, that's one thing to note. They say he will be fine. Uh, that's why he wasn't available for the bowl game. Um, they say he'll be fine for spring practice, but that's a factor, right? So if he's fully healthy or if he's still recovering. Um, and then, like I said, Sean Clifford, man, in, in the limited fashion that we've seen him, kid throws a beautiful deep ball. <laughs> I don't know how he manages a game or how he does anything else, but clearly, clearly talented. So, yeah, yeah really. He's re- got an arm. Yeah, really good question from Jeffrey. Thanks for, thanks for writing that in. And uh, I'm interested to see how that one plays out. All right, next up, we kind of answered some of this already, but uh, takes it a step further. Shane Lunnan says, how do you think the offensive line will look next season with the losses of McGovern and Bates? Will we finally have an O-line that is a team strength? Probably not. <laughs> so matter of fact, I love that. <laughs> uh, I, do, I, do love how Sh- I do love how Shane takes it almost like two ways, though. He says, he says how do you think – we'll do without the losses of two NFL guys. Will we finally get a strength? Like, those guys yeah. are gone. Are we finally going to get there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> now that our two best linemen are gone, it's looking good. <laughs> Shane, Shane, if you're listening, I know exactly what you mean, and, and I'm really not making fun of you. It's just very funny how it's worded. Um, but I, I think this goes back to a couple things. One, coaching, right? Lime Grover is clearly going to be the guy unless we have some last-minute, like, firing and change. Um and then two, it's it's the young talent. So you're going to have a couple of first time starters. Um, you imagine C.J. Thorpe will flip back. He he played defensive tackle this year just because we were so so thin there. Um, you've got Mike Miranda, who's a young guy that they really really like um, that can probably fit right into the Connor McGovern role, honestly. Um, so you have a potential starting five of Menet, Gonzalez, Miranda, Thorpe, and Fries. Those are five talented kids. Like, mm-hmm. we, can it be a strength? Absolutely. Will it be? I, I think a lot of it takes on the coaching and, and how well they mesh together. Like, that's one of those things you always hear about the offensive line more than any other unit, I think, is how well do they mesh, right? How well do they know each other? How well can they make the calls, make the adjustments? And it's tough when you're bringing in two, two new guys. Yeah, um, 
I hope I'm wrong, but I just I don't have a lot of faith in Lime Grover to take a you know a, a unit where you're losing two guys to the NFL early and then make it better than the fact that it wasn't that great. Yeah, here you go again with your logic. Uh, I'm going to take optimism. <laughs> I'm going to take optimism, man. I am. I'm hopeful. I think. I, hope, I of, hope you're right. I think we got a lot of talent in that room, and again, eventually something has to happen. Like if if it's subpar again this year, like there has to be a change because the, the worry the worry that you have is they're subpar again this year. And Franklin Franklin says, "Well, they're they're new guys. We'll get it again next year." Uh, but yeah, right. here and over there, Shane, to answer your question. It scares me. Um, I, I'm optimistic, but it, it definitely scares me. All right, next up, uh, Mark Brower. His uh, his his um, Twitter handle is at browcow77. Pretty pretty sick. Um, his question his question is really open ended, but I, I think we can take it in in one direction. Is his question is all our hopes and dreams for next season? Question mark. So, what are all of your hopes and dreams, Pat? Well, my hopes and dreams for next season. Uh, a national championship would be great. Yeah. Um, first, the college football playoff. Heisman. Anna Kendrick, that'd be good. Anna Kendrick, nice. Yes. She is a cutie. I like her. Pitch perfect. Oh, no, big thing. Um, but uh, to be realistic, I'd like to finish top three in the division. Um, I'd like to finish top ten in the rankings. Um I'd like to win the bowl game. That would that would really be to me a very good season, considering we're losing the greatest quarterback to ever come through the program. Yeah, it's really tough, and and yeah, I think I think Mark asked this in a really funny way, but like the 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 root of the question is like, what are your expectations? And again, this will be a full a full preview episode when we get to that. But man, it, it's scary. Like we talked last year about the guys that we lost in Deshaun and Gasicki and Saquon, and like how are we going to replace them? And for the most part, like did okay you know miles did really well Frymouth did really well uh kj did really well so those guys like we replaced them but losing the heart and soul of your team this is not a knock on tommy but it, you just can't replace trace in the way that he was physically on the field tommy might be better like he might be a better quarterback and we'll be sitting there in week two like hell yeah we're good um mm-hmm. but that's just that, that chemistry part is tough lineman is tough um and i think you're gonna see a lot of young guys like I hope, I hope we see a lot of freshmen playing, especially with the redshirt rule. Like, you got Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon, two five-star linebackers coming in. Those dudes should be on the field. So, yeah, th- the talent is going to be there, but it's raw. Like, and, and it's tough. You you don't always want to say like, oh, we're a young team, because you do have experience. But but this is going to be sort of that. This is that step from great to elite. Is can you take kids in their freshman year and their sophomore year and turn them into not only contributors but but playmakers? Like. And, and that's going to be the tough part. So for me, I agree. You, you said top three in the division. Do you mean in like in the Big Ten East? That, I, no, I meant in the in the conference. Sorry. Okay. My my like mine is I, I want to be in the Big Ten championship game. Like I, I think I think realistically, college football playoff is, is you shouldn't expect that, right? That shouldn't be your expectation. Will it be awesome if we get there? Of course. Like my my expectation and my hopes and dreams. I want a Big Ten championship, man. I, I was there. 2016 I watched that game live in Indianapolis and it was probably the the highlight of like my Penn State fan career Rose Bowl is pretty sick but we lost so I can't count that um so yeah I I would love to get back to the Big Ten which means we beat Ohio State and Michigan right like that's or some or or they have some shit yeah ideally we ideally my 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 goal for next year is beat Ohio State Michigan Michigan State 
all three, beat them, get to the Big Ten Championship. That's that's my hopes and dreams. Well, not only yeah, get to, would, but, but also win. That. I would love that. Um, yeah. It's almost but like I, a, I would I would also be happy with a ten win season and a bowl win. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's a ten win season and we're in a New Year's Six, we're in the Rose Bowl or something like that again. Yeah, that would be that would be a very solid season. Um, I'm also very excited terrible. to watch our defense next season. I think there's going to be a lot there. I agree, man. Defensive line is going to be exciting. Yeah, Micah, Yeeter. Yep. yep. I'm very excited. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, Mark, thanks for thanks for the question. Thanks for thanks for being a, a good bro. You're always interacting with us. Um, and yeah, we'll do we'll do a full like season preview sometime soon here. Um, all right, Kegels Bagels, how you doing, Kegels. man? Uh, he says, how much stock should people put on bowl records to judge conferences? Which I thought was an interesting question because I hadn't really thought about that before. Um, I actually have thought about this a few times. That's a tough one because obviously it is like the best teams of one conference against the best teams of another. So it is valuable, but it's also just kind of one game at a time, you know? It, it's yeah. hard to isolate that and be like, oh, well, this is this is it. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's almost like uh, I mean the matchups are so random too, right? Like it's the Rose Bowl is always going to be Big Ten versus Pac-12. If the Big Ten has some juggernaut and the Pac-12 has a down year, Big Ten's going to win that game all the time. Like, yeah, I mean it. Like my, the the fourth best team in the Big Ten should beat the top team in the Pac-12 if they are not that good. And maybe that does answer the question that 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 shows the Big Ten is better. But I don't know. For me, it, it's so isolated. Like. One game in random matchups, like I don't know if, if guys you played, sitting out potentially. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, guys sitting out going to the NFL. Um, you know, you have you have that that storyline that not I don't think either of us fully buy into. But if you're not in a New Year's Six, guys just don't care as much. Um, it's there's not really a whole lot on the line. Like in order to really judge conferences, you would almost have to have like. I don't know, like a round-robin tournament of the five best teams from each conference. And they would all have to play each other and see what, like, the cumulative record or something is, which obviously will never happen. But yeah. uh, but also, yeah. it's it's not unimportant because those are the most meaningful games of the season, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think the question, yeah, like, it stems from you always see that on, like, ESPN. Like, the Big Ten's record is 4-2, and two, and the Pac-12's record is 6-1, and one. like – do you put a lot of weight in it? Say one conference is better than the other. I, I personally don't. It's, it's somewhat of a measuring stick. Yeah, it, it's it's used. I think it's important to use it, but it's not the be all end all. Yeah, exactly. I, I think personally, what we're gonna see as like judging conferences is eventually college football playoff will expand, right? And the judge will be kind of like, okay, which conference has the most teams in the playoff, right? Because that is conference independent right now maybe they'll change it to where you get automatic qualifiers but dude if they expanded to like an eight team playoff and just had purely the top eight teams then that would probably be an indicator um i don't know i'm talking myself out of that one immediately because then what if you just have a top heavy conference kegels i don't know the answer man i, I really don't to be honest uh what is I, the I meaning of life yeah what what is the meaning of life uh i, I don't put a lot of i don't put a lot of stock in it but um if it, here's what I'll say. If the Big Ten has a good record, brag the shit out of that. Uh, if we don't, maybe stay away. <laughs> Agreed. 
All right. The last one is from We Are Graphics. A uh, really good Penn State account that, that I follow. They do a, they do, as their name says, a lot of a lot of cool graphics, um, recruiting stuff, uh, a lot of cool mock-ups and Photoshop stuff that is way beyond my talent level. So check them out if you're if you're into that kind of stuff. Uh, they say who you got as our breakout players for next season. What do you think of that? Um. Hmm. This is a tough one. I feel like this is going to take a little I bit of time. I can't use Micah or KJ. Right. Nope, they just had their breakout years. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with Jahan Dotson. Nice, I like that. Or um, even um, what's his name, Brandon Bell coming in, linebacker. I can even see Brandon him. Smith. It's Brandon Smith. Sorry. Yeah, Brandon Bell was a former linebacker, now part of the Cincinnati Bengals organization. Yes, Brandon Smith. I could see Brandon Smith as a freshman having a breakout year. Yeah, uh, I like both of those choices. Dotson uh, played in limited time as a wide receiver. Um, Played really well though. Uh, seemed seemed to always be there. Like when Trace was scrambling and needed needed an outlet, uh, showed good hands, showed good speed. Uh, I, I like him as a slot kind of guy. Um, I was going to go wide receiver too. I was going to go Justin Shorter. Um, Justin Shorter came in this year as the number one wide receiver in the country, five star prospect, and everyone expected him to start opposite of Jawan and us just to have these these twin towers of receivers, um, two six four guys with with great hands, and we were going to be incredible. Um, Shorter didn't even play for most of the season. Uh, I, I doubt they were trying to preserve his red shirt because um, if he's that good, he'll leave early, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but they said it was a little bit of injury in the beginning and then a little bit of, like, getting up to speed with the game. And said no matter how good you are in high school, it's, it's a different game. Um, especially with Jawan departing, I think Shorter steps into that role and, and – and just breaks out. And this is, I mean, this is not a hot take. Read any Penn State article. They're all going to say the same thing, but that's like the easiest one that comes to mind. I think he's going to absolutely crush it. Um, as far as incoming guys, and this will be fun. We'll do an episode on this too of like, uh, you know, the draft class, Brandon Smith, I think you're right. And I'm excited for those running backs coming in. So obviously with Miles leaving, Ricky Slade is the guy, right? As of now, uh, you got Journey Brown there. You got a couple others. Um, but coming in, you've got Devin Ford and um, Noah Kane, two really, really good running backs. Um, and I, I think either one of them could break in for some serious playing time. Like we saw it with Ricky this year. Ricky was a true freshman. And for a while, I mean, he wasn't splitting carries, but he got a significant amount. He had, what, like five, six touchdowns in the season? Um, yeah, he, was our, he was definitely our second ball carrier. Yeah, so I, I could – I could see like Noah Kane coming in and, and making a dent, uh, him and Ricky kind of being a one-two punch or even, even Tevin Ford, you know, he, they're both really good running backs. Um, I'm interested in seeing defensive. Yeah. I think Brandon Smith, uh, Lance Dixon, if you follow recruiting at all, Lance Dixon is another linebacker was a four star for a while. 24 seven, just put out their last rankings. They moved him up to a five star and number 13 in the country. Ooh. Do you know who number twelve in the country is? I don't know. Brandon Brandon Smith. So oh, according according to twenty four seven, our two linebackers that are coming in are number twelve and thirteen players in the country to pair with Micah Parsons. That's fucking insane. Um, I, I think recruiting is kind of wild because if you look at the their composite rankings, which is an average of all the major recruiting services. Lance Dixon is like number 183. So apparently the other recruiting services are not nearly as high on him. Um, but the kid's super talented. He's going to be a factor. I don't know if it's next year or the year after, but he's going to be really great. So, so definitely excited to see that. Um, trying to think I'll of tell other you guys. who else to look out for. God. Jaquan Brisker. Oh, I like that. 
I, I, I like this. I follow him on Twitter. I love this kid. And I don't, I, I've seen some, like, some videos of him working out. I, I think the kid's got some serious moves. He's, uh, he's the Juco guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, safety? Yes. Yeah, I, sh- I should know these things. But, yeah, Juco transfer coming in, safety. Juco guys are – I love it because you got two years of college football. Obviously, it's at a junior college level, but you have experience. Some of them some of them, you come in and they just – they're contributors. But, man, we've seen some guys uh, make that Juco transfer, and they just come in and contribute from day one. I think that's a really good pick, Jaquan Brisker, um, especially with safety being kind of wide open, right? Like you have Nick yeah. Scott's gone. If Lamont Wade actually leaves, he he was one of the ones who you think kind of falls in there with uh, with Garrett Taylor because you got Garrett Taylor, you got Jonathan Sutherland, and then you thought probably Lamont Wade. But if Wade leaves, Brisker can be in there, man. Tell Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Brisker, baby. It's a good pick, man. I'm trying to think more because I know my, my answers are like very obvious. Um but yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited for it, and we'll we'll do a full breakdown of of who we think is going to break out. Um, one fun one that I was going to throw out there is uh, Shane Simmons, defensive end, came in as a as a four or five star prospect, depending on who you ask. Uh, injured for a while, just hasn't really all put it together. He can be uh, the the opposite of Yeter now that Shreve has gone, and if he plays like to his potential, the kid is really fucking good. Um, so I would like to see him have a breakout year. I don't know if he will, but I would like to see him. Now we're just naming yeah, a lot right. of players. We're just we're we're literally just naming players at this point. So I'm gonna stop. Um, I think three is good. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad. Uh, so to we are graphics. I don't know uh, your real name, but thank you for the question. Appreciate uh, appreciate you. And and again, if you guys are are fans of that kind of stuff, go give them a follow. Um, I think that is all I've got for this episode. Like I said, there is a ton to talk about. I'm sure we missed a bunch of stuff. Um, we did a whole episode 15 days ago and, and took up the same amount of time. So obviously we have forgotten or cut out some things. But but that's it for me. Uh, Pat, what do you got for the fans? Uh, you know, thank you guys for listening, for uh, for sending us some Twitter questions. We love it. Hell yeah, definitely. Thank you guys. Um, first season in the books. You know, this, is, this has been a blast. Um, Obviously, we haven't been as consistent as we'd like, and I'll take a lot of the blame for that. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to do a lot of fun stuff in the offseason. Uh, Pat and I are, are putting together some some cool episodes where we'll do some NFL draft stuff. We'll do season preview stuff. Going to try to lock down some more interviews. Wrestling. Fuck, I always forget. I'm sorry, man. I'm a terrible Penn State wrestling fan. Uh, they're awesome, okay. and, and Pat will give you a breakdown because they're new. fucking killing it. Um, but we will talk wrestling. Uh, we're going to try to get some more interviews. Uh, if you haven't listened, check out our interview with Adam Brenneman uh, from, from a couple of weeks ago. Really, really fun conversation with him. He gave us some some really inside look at kind of the recruiting process in his career, and it was just awesome. So I, I hope we get some more of that. Um, otherwise, thank you guys. Enjoy your day, night, week, whenever the hell you're listening to this, and uh, keep an eye on what's coming next. We are.